are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to talk about those two play-in games last night. We're going to look at the history of the play-in games. It's only three years old, but some interesting numbers already, including what happened in the four play-in games so far this season. Hope you like underdogs. Uh, We're going to look at some baseball numbers through the first 10 games. The Tampa Bay Rays continue to roll on. And one other thing I forgot about the game from last night or two nights ago with the Lakers and the Timberwolves that I forgot to bring up yesterday that I want to bring up today. So we will get to all that momentarily. All right, let's start out with the two play-in games from last night. The first one saw the Chicago Bulls, the 10 seed, beat the Toronto Raptors 109-105. A Chicago Bulls team that was down 19 points in the third quarter the home team, Toronto Raptors, Raptors missed 18 free throws. 18, and they were at home. Did you see the little girl in the stands that was screaming at the top of her lungs every time Toronto took a free throw? That was DeMar DeRozan's daughter. I don't know how old she is. She looked about, I don't know, 8, 9, 10. And <laughs> she get, like this lets out this just piercing screech. Every time Toronto was at the line, and since Toronto was the home team, the crowd was fairly silent when their team went to the line, so you could totally hear her. And they missed 18 free throws and lost by four in a game they led by 19 points in the third quarter. So sorry, Raptor fans. You don't deserve to win that game, and you're probably going to lose your coach now as Nick Nurse is as good as gone. And the other game... Great game last night in New Orleans. OKC beats the Pelicans 123-118, which means both 10 seeds won. Now, the play-in games have only been around since 2021. You can count the bubble, but it wasn't like what this is, which is 7 plays 8 and 9 plays 10. The loser of 7 and 8 plays the winner of 9 and 10. That's only been going on since 2021. So there's only been four 10 versus nine games. And the 10 had never beaten the nine before this year. Now, both 10s beat both nines. The other thing is, there's been four playoff games over the last two days. The underdog has covered every game. And they've won three of the four outright. The Bulls beat Toronto outright as six-point dogs. OKC beat the Pelicans outright as five-point dogs. Atlanta beat Miami as five-and-a-half-point dogs. Lakers were the only ones favorites to win the game outright, but they didn't cover against Minnesota. They were laying eight-and-a-half, and and they only won by six. So, interesting. Maybe stash that away in your back pocket until next year's NBA playoffs and the play-in games. But, you know, the thing about it is, Whoever ends up winning on Friday's games. So now OKC travels to Minnesota to play the Timberwolves. The winner of that game becomes the eighth seed, and they will play Denver in the first round of the playoffs. In the East, Chicago travels to Miami, play them. The winner of that game will play against Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs. Are they probably going to win a first-round series? No. But these guys were trying their ass off last night. That game with OKC and the Pelicans, talk about back and forth. OKC never gave up. New Orleans Pelicans had every chance to put them away, and they just 
could not put them away. OKC is probably the biggest surprise in the NBA this year. You can say the Sacramento Kings. I think a lot of people knew that the Kings were on their way up. I don't think they thought they were going to be the three seed in the West, but I think people knew they'd be better. I don't think anybody saw this out of OKC, considering during the summer, the number two pick in the draft or three, I can't remember if Chet Holmgren was two or three, they lost him for the season during summer league with a foot injury. So nobody expected this out of OKC. And now, I don't know if you know this, not only are the Thunder the second youngest team in NBA history, clearly the youngest in the NBA this season, they also have 15, count that, 1-5, 15 first-round picks in the next five years. They've got two in this upcoming June's draft. They've got four next year, four in 2025, three in 2026, and two in 2027. A lot of those are coming from the Clippers for the Paul George trade. But this team is going to be a beast to deal with. They peaked earlier than anybody thought. Nobody expected them to even be the 10 seed this year. And now they have a chance to make the playoffs and take on the Denver Nuggets in the first round of the playoffs. But really, two great games last night. And like I said, I mean, it's giving teams that normally wouldn't have a chance to make the playoffs a chance and these teams are trying. They're not just like, oh, well, we'll see. We win, we win, we lose, we lose. No, it's not the way it's working. These guys are playing their asses off. And hats off to the Bulls and OKC. First 10, seems, 10 seeds to ever win their play-in game. I want to go back to two things about last night's game uh, in regards to the Lakers and the Timberwolves. First off, the Timberwolves have now lost 19 games this year where they were leading by 10 or more at some point during the game. That's the second most in the league. And if you watch the last six minutes of the fourth quarter and all five minutes of overtime, you can see why. As I said yesterday, they looked like they had absolutely no clue how to play the game of basketball as a team. Like, could not pass the ball to each other, could not run any sort of play, couldn't make a shot. They, they were awful. So they deserved to lose that game. The other thing I wanted to point out, and this goes back to the women's national championship game. It got a lot of national run when Angel Reese, after LSU, was clearly going to beat Iowa and win a national championship, walking and pointing to her finger and doing the can't see me, you know, face or gesture. And everybody got on her case for it. And it turned into some sort of racial thing. And the fact that, oh, well, black athletes celebrate different than white athletes. Shut up. It's a horrible, horrible take. I wanted to point this out. Did you watch the Laker-Timberwolf game? It was 95-95. Lakers had the ball. LeBron James passes to Dennis Schroeder. And Dennis Schroeder hits a three to go up 98-95 with whatever it was. Three seconds left, four seconds left, whatever. Whatever it was. Very little time left on the clock. And Dennis Schroeder hits this three-pointer right in front of the Minnesota Timberwolves bench. And after he hits it, he stands there for at least 10 seconds and does the ice in the veins gesture, which a lot of NBA players do now, to show that you're cold-blooded, you can make a shot at any time, 
and he did the ice in the veins and is literally looking at the Timberwolves bench, and they're just kind of smirking and basically saying, get out of here. Did you hear any talk shows, any of the talking heads that literally spent a segment last week, every single one of them, spent a segment talking about what Angel Reese did in the LSU-Iowa National Championship game. Did anybody talk about what Dennis Schroeder did? How is what Angel Reese different than anything that Dennis Schroeder did? He literally stood in front of the bench and did the gesture and looked at them. Not one person, not one TV show, whether it was... Well, I, you know all the TV shows. You know all the talking head sports TV shows that are on FS1 and ESPN. Not one of them had any issue with what Dennis Schroeder did. Yet people had an issue with what Angel Reese did? Why? It's basketball. Players talk trash. Black players talk trash. White players talk trash. It's part of the game. Angel Reese didn't do anything worse than what Dennis Schroeder did last night, and nobody gave a shit about what Dennis Schroeder did the other night. You know why? Because no television segments were dedicated to it, turning it into some sort of racial issue. But there they were, the day after the national championship of LSU and Iowa, and that's all it was. I'm sorry. (laughs) What he did was exactly the same as what she did. Steve, she directed it at Caitlin Clark. Dennis Schroeder directed it at a whole team's bench. I'd say what Dennis Schroeder did was worse. And nobody's talking about it. Just wanted to point that out. Wanted to point out the hypocrisy by fan bases all around the world. Now, most major league baseball teams, switching gears here, are played about 12 or 13 games. These are the numbers through 10 games this season. If you're looking at it from a gambling perspective, a major difference in over-unders. Because Major League Baseball seems to think that teams are scoring more runs, which they are, runs are up, and I'll get to that in a second. They're setting the over-unders higher. Well, in 2022, through the first 10 games of the season, the overs were only hitting 42% of the time. So the unders were hitting 58% of the time last year through 10 games. This year, the overs are hitting 56% of the time, almost 57%. The runs are up by a full run per game. 9.36 runs per game in 2023 versus 8.36 runs per game in 2022. Hits are up almost a hit and a half. Combined, 16.8 hits per game in 2023, 15.4 in 2022. Home runs are up, 2.32 home runs per game in 2023. Last year through 10 games, 1.91. So, speeding up the... And this is usually at the time of the year where the pitchers have the advantage over the hitters. Pitchers, usually early on in the season, have an advantage due to cold weather and the hitters just getting their timing back. They hadn't, you know been in live games for four months outside of spring training. Usually when the summer rolls around is when the hitters start to come around a little bit more. And here we are, and the numbers clearly show that hitting is up. And I think that's a very good thing for baseball. 
Not only that, as we know, time on the games is way down. I had it after the first weekend. They had knocked 31 minutes off games. I haven't seen a new statistic, but once we do, once we're probably through this weekend and we're we're through the first two weeks of the baseball season, I'm sure somebody will put something out there that the average game is down X amount of minutes since last year. So I will keep my eyes out for that because you know I absolutely love talking about the pitch clock and everything. Oh, yeah, by the way, on my fantasy team, I already have two guys that are out for – I have Max Freed on my team, the left-handed starter for the Atlanta Braves, who literally hurt his hamstring running and covering first base on opening day. He hasn't pitched since. Two days ago, Corey Seager, shortstop for the Rangers, strained a, a, a grade two strain of his hamstring as well. My team is hamstrung. Get it? Hamstrung. Anyway, Corey Seager, grade two strain of his hamstring he's out at least four weeks it's like clockwork with my team every single fucking year I have at least five to six guys go on the IL it's I don't even know why I play fantasy baseball anymore stupid you know what's keeping me alive nowadays okay not alive but you know what I'm saying the Tampa Bay Rays they won again, 9-7, to seven, so this is only the second win out of their 12-0 and 0 start. That was less than four runs, and at one point in this game, they led 6-1. to one. But Boston made it close, cut it to 7-6, and the Rays ended up winning 9-7 to start the season 12-0. and 0. Here's something interesting, and maybe I'm just totally not reading this right. I think I am. I'm going to read it to you verbatim. On ESPN, it says Rays moved to 12 and 0, one short of tying best major league start since 1900. Okay, so that's basically telling me no team has started 13 and 0 in baseball since 1900. It says Rays moved to 12 and 0, one short of tying best major league start since 1900. Okay, but then in literally the second paragraph, which I knew one of these because I just remember it. In 1987, the Milwaukee Brewers started 13 and 0. Also, the 1982 Atlanta Braves both opened 13 and 0. So, <laughs> how how does that make any sense? The first sentence of the story says the Tampa Bay Rays won their 12th straight game to start the season, one short of the best major league start since 1900. Well, if the 1987 Brewers and the 1982 Braves both started 13-0, why are you telling me that this is the best start? They're one away from the best start since 1900. They're one away from the best start in baseball since 1987. Not 1900. Where are they getting 1900 from? Somebody in ESPN's editing room needs to be fired. The Red Sox have lost 12 in a row road games to the Rays. (laughs) That's not good. Last time I checked. And they play them again today. So they can move to 13-0. and They already had three three-game sweeps to start the season. Now they're looking for a four-game sweep to go to 13-0 and and tie the best start in MLB history since the 87 Brewers and the 82 Braves. 13-0. and What did I tell you? My guess is I'm, I'm saying 15-0, and but I haven't even looked at their future schedule. 
The other thing that they're doing is they're hitting the shit out of the ball. They've ho- they've hit a home run in each of their first 12 games, becoming the first team since the 2020 Yankees to do that, to start a season with 12 straight games with at least one home run. Since 1901, only the Mariners in 20 straight in 2019, Cleveland in 2002 in 14 straight, and the Detroit Tigers in 2017, and the Cubs in 1954, 13 straight, have had longer such streaks to start the season. Uh, let me click on Tampa's schedule. Who do they play after the Red Sox? Let me see here. They've got... No, I want the Rays schedule, not the Red Sox. Damn it. Um, oh, schedule. Here we go. So they got the Red Sox, and then they're at Toronto and at Cincinnati in the next six. Three in Toronto this weekend, three in Cincinnati. Will it be to if they beat the Red Sox today and go to 13 and 0, they would have to win the first two games of the Toronto series to get to that 15 and 0 that I predict. But hey. And you know, I said this about Tampa Bay and yesterday talking about their organization, how they're just good every year even though they don't have any high-priced players on their team. They have a great farm system. They've got a great manager, yet they've got a horseshit stadium and nobody gives a shit in Tampa about the Rays baseball. They came home after starting 6-0, and and they played Oakland three times and Boston three times so far. And their home attendance since in, this, in these six last six games that they've played, 15-980, 15,880, 11,159, 13,470, 12,649, 17,136. And this isn't just some anomaly. Anybody that knows anything about Tampa Bay Ray baseball knows the fans don't care. Yet this team, yes, I understand the fans want to see. I don't know what they want to see. I thought the whole point was to watch a winning team. Apparently not. Because they're always good. And they always draw dick at their games. Yes, Tropicana Field is a total dumpster fire. And it's ugly. And the ball gets lost in the lights all the time. And it hits the scaffoldings at the top of the stadium. I get it. It's not a great place to watch a game. But you always have a good team. Your team's solid every year. And now they're 12-0 and and you drew 17,000 last night. Great. It's never going to change, and I, I don't know if they're still working on a stadium in that area or going to move to build a stadium in St. Petersburg. I don't know what's going on, but anybody that knows anything about Tampa Bay Ray baseball knows this isn't news that they don't draw fans. It's just if they make the playoffs, they can't even sell out playoff games. So you would think with a start like this, <laughs> 12-0, yeah, obviously still 150 games left in the season, but they're going to they're going to be solid all year. I mean, they've got really really good starters and a lineup that is just crushing the ball right now. So, I'm all in on the Rays. I love it. I love the fact that they're awesome. I love the fact that they don't have to pay anybody and they will never pay anybody and they don't have high-priced stars on their team and yet they're good every year and I love the fact that this team has enough pride to go out there in front of 11,000 people and still kick the shit out of other teams in Major League Baseball that have payrolls 
five times what the Rays payroll is. I think that's awesome. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another Sports Daily. Again, thank you so much for listening. Please pass it on to your friends. Let them know about it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!